So listen, today we're starting a new series. It is called Foundations, Foundations. And I want to take the few minutes we have together uh, today to just simply set the course. We're not going to really get into it, but we're going to set our course. And I'll go ahead and tell you this. This is going to be probably a lengthy series. And let me maybe throw this out really quick. I think when we hear the word foundations, we can automatically go, well, I know that. And I'm going to tell you something. If you think you already know that, you're making a a huge mistake from the get-go. Is that okay? It's kind of like this. I'm a huge sports fan. I love about any sport. If there's a ball to chase, I like watching it. I like doing it. Not that great at it, but I like it, okay? But here's one thing I know about sports. If you take a team that is fundamentally sound versus a team that's just got crazy athletic ability, at the end of the day, the fundamental team that knows how to play together, work together, and if they can play hard, play smart, play together, they will win. Make sense? And so sometimes we do this in Christianity. We get, we get bored with certain things in Christianity because we think that we need to move on to maybe to something else, and we forget the foundation in our lives. Is that all right to say that? So, so listen, let's not make that mistake. Everything, 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 everything in the kingdom is built off a foundation. Yes? Amen. So let's pray. And we'll get moving. Father, thank you for today. God, I thank you for every person that's here. Lord, you love them. And God, you have a great plan for their lives. And so, God, we just believe today in Jesus' name, God, that you want to move in our hearts. You want to move in our lives. Thank you for encouraging us today. Thank you for speaking life over us today. Thank you for just stirring in our hearts. God, just a passion for you and a hunger for you. Father, we want to go your way. We want to do it your way, your way, your way. And, uh, Lord, we know that when we do it your way, we get your results. And, God, that's what we need in our lives. And so, Lord, thank you for blessing us today with your presence. Thank you for blessing today with the anointing, moving our hearts. Holy Spirit, do what you do best. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Listen, throughout the Bible, God chose to use metaphors to describe who we are as believers in relation to him. You know, a few examples of that would be this. In John 10, he calls us uh, sheep, and he says that he is the good shepherd. If you fast forward to John 15, the Bible says this, that, that we are the vine and he is the branch. The Bible also says this. It says that we are trees of righteousness, that we are the flock of his pasture, that we are God's field, that we're God's temple. And we all know that the Bible says that in the church, Christ is the head and we are the body. If you have familiar with a few of those, say, oh yeah. Now there's two more metaphors that I want to focus on today. I want to sit on just real quick. Let me show you two verses. First Corinthians three, nine, it says this, this is Pastor Paul talking. He says, you are God's building. Somebody say building. And then the writer of Hebrews tells us this in Hebrews three, six, it says, but Christ as the son is in charge of God's entire house. And we are God's house. Come on, say house with some attitude. House. House. There you go. Listen. So listen. So the point is simply this. God not only looks at us as sheep, and we, I think we talk about that a lot. I hear that a lot. But he also refers to us as a building or a house. Now, I believe it's really important this morning as we're thinking about these metaphors that we need to remember that God doesn't only look at us as individuals in these two areas. In other words, he just doesn't look at us as an individual house, an individual building. But the Bible also says that collectively, that we as sons of God, as daughters of God, that we are making up a a house, a spiritual house together. And the reason I say that, not so much because it has some great meaning of anything I'm going to say today, but I just want to just remind you, please, please, please don't ever devalue yourself in the body. Are you with me today? Don't devalue yourself. I think so often it's, it's so easy to just kind of go, well, I'm, I'm kind of, uh, you know, out here wondering about myself. No, you need to be, you need to be with the body. Amen. Because you're a valuable piece. You need to know where you fit and you need to do what you've been called to do because we need you. Amen. 
So listen, as, as I thought about the significance of this metaphor of going, okay, we're a house, we're a building, I begin to think about how Jen and I will sometimes, while we're riding around, if we're going through a neighborhood or maybe we're, we're just uh, driving through town, sometimes we like to slow down and, and we just like to look at beautiful homes. And in fact, I, I did it the other day. I was, I was down near the Camden Harbor and I was coming down one of the roads and I was with the two kids. We were leaving the park, about to go pick up some pizza from a gonna cook market, praise God. And, uh, and so we were... We were driving really slow, and I was just admiring these houses, these just beautiful homes that are in the area. And then I, I begin to think about how sometimes we're out driving, and we'll point out to each other just these awesome, beautiful, gorgeous, whatever you want to use, just architectural structures. You know, an example of that would be like the Camden Library or the, or the old church that's in the heart of West Cassett. Man, these things are just beautiful, right? And, and so anyways, as I was thinking about all this, I, I began to realize, man, what, what really catches my eye in those moments? And then I realized that, you know, I tend to and we tend to view these structures or these houses the same way we view people. Y'all hang tight with me here, okay? R- remember what the Lord spoke to Samuel. Once again, how we view these things. He said in 1 Samuel sixteen seven, he said, For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance. Somebody say outward appearance says, but the Lord looks at the heart. Listen, in relation to a house, I, I think we would all agree with that assessment, that it's the outward appearance that grabs our attention. That's the outward ap- uh, appearance that we focus on. In, in fact, it's, you know, if you just look, we have a really successful industry in our country that's solely committed to teaching ordinary people just like you and me what we should be looking for when it comes to the outward appearance of our house. Is that true? Listen, people like watching TV shows, uh, you know, on HGTV like Brother Brother or Brother versus Brother or, or Flip or Flop Vegas or what everybody and their mama loves, uh, you know, Fixer Upper, right? And, and, and so it's kind of wild that, that if, you, if you, you know, can't get your fix there, all you have to do is go to a magazine, a website, or a Pinterest board. And, and these things are dedicated to show us what's trending in design and what's trending in decor of homes. In fact, it's, it's almost 24 hours a day in any of those venues. A person can discover, you know, what kind of, uh, you know, what kind of paint colors, what kind of window treatments, what kind of flooring, what kind of whatever you want to call furniture, what is kind of the end thing at the moment. And it's almost like our culture is so just called up in the outward appearance of things. Is that not true? Now listen, with all that said, and kind of turning here, with all that in mind, and I'm going to tell you, this is going to sound pretty silly, but I've never driven by a house, and I'm sure you haven't either at some point. You know, I've never been driving by a house, rolling down the window, and, you know, having that moment, that peaceful moment, turned and looked at Jen and said, Jen, I sure do like that house's foundation. You know, it's, it's almost like this. The average rubbernecker, y'all know what I mean by that? You know, those people, right, that hold up traffic? Anyways, uh, you, you know, those people don't naturally look at a house and think about it that way. You know, it's almost like you got to be a real estate agent, a builder, or a home inspector, right, to, to think about a house with its foundation. All the rest of us, we're just kind of called on the outside. In fact, I, I think it's true that the average Joe... You know, really, that stuff doesn't cross their mind unless it's absolutely clear that something is terribly wrong, right? The other day, I was with Mr. Jim. Michaela and I hopped on the ferry, and we went over to North Haven and hung out with him for a few hours. And we were riding around, and I'm just like, man, this place is gorgeous, right? I was just, I don't know. I didn't really know what to expect, but it was awesome. So anyways, we were driving around, and he showed me this house 
that was just a cute little house, right? I thought, man, that's really cute. So it was on a cove, and I'm thinking, man, if, if I lived here, I, I would just be sitting on the porch all day long just staring at the water. It's, it's just peaceful. And, and I realized when we drove by, I was turning, I was looking at the house, and I realized that the house was like this. It was like the back of the house was about to go in the cove, right? And I was like, that is a problem, my friend, right? <laughs> and so, anyways, you know, has anybody ever been there? In fact, I think when we were looking at houses, when we were, when we were uh, kind of going, okay, are we going to build? Are we going to buy a house and all that? I was amazed by how many houses we walked in here. And it's like as you're walking, you're just, <laughs> and you come back up and then you... Right? There was something wrong with the foundations of those houses. But anyways, I sell that to kind of say this. You know, in other words, that we don't naturally look at, the, look at that unless there's something wrong. And then I thought, man, is that not the same thing that we do with people's lives? Right? It's like their front door, their shutters, their window treatments, everything on the outside looks great. But when their marriage begins to fall apart, it's then we begin to question the strength of their foundation. Amen? Listen, it's kind of wild. It's like the paint colors called their giftings, right? It's like everyone likes that. In fact, we, we admire that. But at the end, uh, you know, the foundation of their character, the foundation of their integrity, that's crumbling and, it, and it's stinky because it's got mold and mildew all over it. Amen? Now, listen, don't misunderstand me here. I'm not saying that those people that are struggling or whatever, I'm not saying that those people don't have a foundation. I'm just saying that they didn't really lay it right in the first place. That, you know, in other words, that they didn't take the, maybe the time to make sure that they did it right. And so it was crooked. And it's almost like if you can imagine. Have you ever seen a, a rookie try to, try to do a brick wall? And they really don't level it. And, you know, they're not checking every brick. And it's like this. And then that thing ends up leaning this way. And, I mean, it's just brutal, right? But it's kind of like this. It's like, man, maybe these people either didn't lay it right or maybe they didn't use the proper materials when they started in the first place. And so what happens is, is over time, the house settles, the weight of the house begins to rest fully on the faulty foundation, and, and it causes to, it to what? To give away. And it causes the person's life to end up being damaged in some way. Is that true? And listen, I think the natural response is, is this. I think the natural response is when we see somebody's life begin to fall apart or begin to, begin to shake, or however you want to word it, right? I, I think the natural response is to wonder, man, God, you do not see that. And the truth is, is yes, God sees that. It surprises us, but it never surprises him. The truth is, is he saw the cracks the entire time. It's almost, if you can imagine, God was looking at their heart. We were looking at their performance. Yes? And so, you know, in fact, I, I kind of think it's, it's this. I think it's human nature to almost get so caught up on what's on the outside that we forget, to, you know, to look beyond surface level sometimes with people. And what happens is, is because we, we forget to look beyond surface level, we begin to place a greater importance on things than God does. In other words, it's like God values this, but we end up valuing this way more. Anybody ever seen that? In fact, it's kind of like this, and I'm only saying this to clarify. I'm definitely not saying this to judge someone. I'm saying this because I just know somebody that knows this. It's just a really good point, okay? It's something that we should learn from. A pastor that I was under, he's got a, he has a friend that, in his opinion, is probably the most prophetic guy that he's ever met. I mean, the guy, the guy can, you walk in the room, he'll read your mail. And for years, this guy was just on point, on point, on point, on point. And until, guess what? He, he fell morally, not once, not twice, 
but repeatedly he fell morally. And so here's this guy, the window treatments, the paint color looked great. But yet in the foundation, it was messed up, right? And so here it is. It doesn't really matter what was here. At the end of the day, man, that thing is crumbled. And all these things that God had promised for him now can't even happen. So this is something, I guess I'm just saying it in this way. We don't need to place a higher importance or a less importance of what we think. We need to see what God thinks. And if, if God sees something as very important, then we need to say, man, that's important. Yes? And, and, and let, me, let me maybe add this while we're here. From the get-go of a foundation, in other words, a, 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 an engineer, whoever does it, people way smarter than me, can walk up and they can look at a foundation and they can tell you the height the width, the weight, all of those things that that foundation can hold at the end. And so what happens sometimes in Christianity, because the gifts of God are irrevocable, and, you know, there's not something that, okay, now it starts, but these things, are, they, they can operate in new believers. Sometimes we get so enamored and we get such in a hurry to go operate in our gifts and do things that, that we forget that, you know what, that foundation that we have is really going to limit how far we can really go. And so what happens is we get so called up and, and picking out uh, curtains, right? And what ceiling fans, what light fixtures and all that we're going to have that we forget to go, man, I really need this foundation. And so, so we, we launch out and 10 years into it, we go, you know, and that's not what God promised. Well, it wasn't really, God, God didn't change his mind. What happened is, is I didn't put enough importance at the beginning phase before I launched out. And now I'm hindering what God's called me to do. Amen. So let's look at what God values. Look at Matthew 7, 24 through 27 with me. 24 through 27. Notice the first word there. It says, therefore. So we all know what's a therefore. Therefore. We, we all get that, right? So, so to understand that, this, that these three verses we're about to read are the conclusion of the previous two and a half chapters of Jesus teaching the famous sermon of what we know as Sermon on the Mount. Okay? So, so this is how he's ending the Sermon on the Mount. He says, therefore... Whoever hears these sayings of mine, in other words, everything I just said, and does them. Somebody say, does them. He says, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, if you hit Revelation, go left. It's after the book of James. Go to chapter 2. Man, let's start at verse 5. Watch this. So we just read, going back to Matthew... Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them. Okay, watch this. Verse 5. It says, You also as living stones are being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Verse 6. This is important. Therefore it is also contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone. Somebody say cornerstone. It says, Elect precious and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. That really ties into what we're about to read. But watch this. The cornerstone, and I'm not going to give you some lengthy thing, but the cornerstone was the, was the first stone that was to be laid. Is that true? And they, they would lay it on the northeast structure uh, of a building that they were going to build. And once again, it was the first. That's key. It's the first stone that was laid. And then every stone after that must basically, that, that determined how it was aligned. And it also, the term that they would use is it judged all the other stones that would be laid. Now, we are living stones. We know that Jesus is the cornerstone to understand that he will judge every stone that will be laid. Right? In the church today, we don't like talking about judgment, but you can't get away from it. Amen? 
Yes. Okay, so listen. So he is the cornerstone. Now watch this. Then it goes on to say, Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. Now watch this. It looks like it's talking about the same thing. Cornerstone, cornerstone. But the second word is actually, is actually translated in the Greek language as capstone or keystone. Now, what is, a, what is a capstone or a keystone? It was the last stone that would be put in place. So in other words, once the whole structure was done, it was the last, it was the last stone that would be put in place that had weathered basically the test of time and that could handle the weight and, uh, and basically the pressure of all the other rocks. So once again, here's the cornerstone, the first stone, and the capstone or the keystone, which is the last stone. Y'all follow me? All right. So let me just dive in here. Notice it says, it says that basically these people rejected the cornerstone. Now let me give you a story here, okay? This is true. When you study basically Jewish history, you find that when they begin to rebuild, uh, begin to build Solomon's temple, when they begin to build, okay, that basically what happened is God commanded them that, that at the work site there was to be no hammering, no chiseling, no mortar, none of that stuff that would be a man's efforts, Okay, because he wanted that to be worship and not full of a bunch of distractions. Okay, I'm just leaving it simple like that. So what happened is, is they had from the quarry, they went ahead and shaped every rock that was going to be made. And then they shipped it to the building site. Now watch this. This is church history. Okay, as they begin to build, they recognize one stone that was oddly shaped and that they said, you know what, that thing is not going to fit anywhere in this. And so they took that stone that they thought was defected and they really threw it aside. Seven years later, when they were finishing the, the temple, okay, they, they literally went back to the quarry and said, hey, guys, uh, you, you didn't give us the right piece. If you've ever been in business, you've been there, Right. You didn't give us the right piece. And they said, no, we know for sure we, we basically designed and made the capstone. And as they begin to describe what it looked like, the builders realize we know exactly where that's at. That's the one that we tossed off to the side. That's the one, watch this, that's the cornerstone, the capstone that we rejected. So now the thing after seven years had weeds and briars all around it. Are y'all following me? Now watch this, please. The Bible says, and, and we'll read it later, I'm kind of getting ahead of myself, that it says that Jesus is the foundation, and then it says, it tells us to basically build and to take heed in how we build. I'll repeat that in a bit. So in other words, what happens is, is you've got to understand that Jesus can come and give us a foundation But it's up to us how we build, and that's our responsibility. Now, the question is, watch this. As builders, we can still reject the capstone. In other words, what am I saying is this, is we can get so bored with this that we reject it. And we rather listen to somebody's sermon than read the Bible for ourselves. Are you all with me today? And so, in other words, that we can can almost devalue the word of God, and we can say, well, I've read that many times. I assure you that you didn't get all of it, (laughs) right? There's always something in there. The Bible speaks of itself and says it has a manifold wisdom or many-sided. That's why you can read a scripture 50 times and it can speak to you in 50 different ways. So the last thing we need to do is get bored with the bread of life, amen? 
Because it's still that he speaks out of every word that proceeds out of his mouth, right? That's what he's talking to us on. So watch this. Going back to the thing. So obviously, once again, now this stone that's been out there and it's weathered the storm, I'm telling you, Jesus has weathered every storm you'll ever go through. Amen? If he can take it and put it in place, watch this. He was the first one and he was the last one. My point I'm trying to make to you today is he's still trying to be the author and the finisher of your faith Right, the beginner, the, the one that, uh, that, that originates and the one that completes. He's still trying to be Alpha and Omega. He's still trying to be the beginning and the end. He's still trying to be all of that for you, but if you'll let him. Don't do this. Don't put the cornerstone in place and then run and just forget that there's a capstone. He, he wants to be the bookend of this thing. Amen? Amen. That's good preaching. All right. I made myself happy there. <laughs> so, whatever. Y'all funny. I wanted to get that in there somewhere today. I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't know where, but I wanted to get it in. All right, here we go. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded, or it had its foundation on the rock. It says, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand and the rains descended, the floods came and the wind blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. Now watch this. When reading this, we see clearly that there's two houses or two lives and there's one storm. And obviously as we see here that there was this, this wise man who built his house upon a rock. Guess what? And his house was unshaken. And then this other guy, man, his house crumbled to the ground and his life was in ruin. Is that true? Okay, why was that the case? Real simple. Because one man valued the foundation of his life greater than the other one did. That's simple, okay? Listen to what Luke said about this. In other words, Luke's rendition of this. In Luke 6, 47, 48, it says, Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. In other words, he's tracking right along with Matthew. And he says, He is like a man building a house. Here's the difference. Who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. This is a really simple point I want to make here. There's no way that a person would take the time, the effort, the energy, and the resources to dig deep unless he valued it. That simple, okay? Unless he saw the importance of it, he wouldn't do it. And this guy that made it, he simply valued what God valued. Amen? All right, now watch this. Here's a point I want to prove to you today, and I hope if you maybe didn't hear anything, you're going to hear this. One guy made it. The other guy didn't make it. Here's the question. In reading what Jesus said there, did the two guys face a different storm? No. Did, did the guy's house that crumble face a greater storm than the guy who didn't? In other words, did this guy get a sprinkle and this guy got a full-blown hurricane? No. Not, absolutely not. So here's, here's a question. Let's get this a little practical here. But does the teenager that goes to school and falls flat on her face... Does she face a greater storm than a teenage girl who stood strong all year for the Lord? No. Listen, what's the difference between the two couples that made the same marriage vows? Did one couple face a greater storm in their marriage? No. Then why did one divorce while the other one stayed faithful to to each other? Listen, what's the difference between two businessmen? Did one face greater financial pressure than the other guy? No. Then why did one man lead his business with integrity of heart while the other guy lied and cheated at every turn? Are you following me today? See, Jesus' point here is really unmistakable. He's saying this. He's saying that we can be like the wise man who listened and obeyed his words. What's his word? It's the word of God. It's the Bible. We, you know, look, it's, it is what it is. It's the Bible. 
And if we do that, we build our lives on the rock, which is him, which is a firm foundation that can withstand anything. Listen, as people, we can go through some really, really, really difficult stuff, can't we? And I'm here to tell you, the only way you're going to make it is if you grab a hold of him. That's true. Listen, there's not a person, watch this, there's not a person in this room that hadn't, hit, that hadn't had hell throw something at them before in their lives, right? And, and watch this, that's before becoming a Christian and after being a Christian. The truth is, is a lot of times it comes more after. You know why? Because now you're a threat and he don't like you, okay? But the only, th- the only way that you're going to hang in there is, guess what, if you go with God, right? Or Jesus saying this, that you can be like the foolish guy who thought that listening would be enough, not obeying, thus building our lives on an unstable foundation. Look, so many people that will be at church today in this nation, that's what they do. They'll be hearers only and not doers of the word. That's scary, guys. Yes? So please do yourself a favor. God is saying all these things because he loves you, not because he's against you. Okay? He's saying that because he wants to see your life go well and he wants to see you stand and be strong, all those things. So do it his way. I guess what I'm telling you is this, is that Jesus wants to be your firm foundation. He really, really, really wants to be. Really, really, really wants to be. And let me make a point here really clear. This morning while I was praying, I just felt this, that it's easy to go, all right, I'm going to let Jesus be the firm foundation in this area of my life and this area of my life and this area but I don't want him to touch this area, this area, this area. Listen, guys, he wants to be the firm foundation of all of that. Because here's what you don't need to miss, is the enemy can recognize where you're not firm on that foundation. And he's not going to attack you where you're firm. He's going to attack you where you're not firm, where you're not settled, where it's on sand and not the rock. Yes? So just in our lives, I guess just an encouragement today that we would take a step back and go, okay, what's the real parts that I'm anchored into the word of God of my life? What's the, re- what's the real parts? And then let me be honest with ourselves to go, okay, where are we not? And then to say, God, help me work on that. Amen? Let me read this scripture to you because I quoted it earlier, just kind of give you an address. 1 Corinthians 3.11. Tell me Jesus wants to be our firm foundation. Really what I want you to see is he's the only foundation. It isn't, listen, the foundation is not the church. The foundation is not Christian friends. The, the foundation isn't uh, Daystar Network or God TV. It, you, you know, the foundation's God. It's Jesus, okay? Please hear my heart in that, okay? I appreciate all those things. We need all those things. But the only thing that's going to help us stand storms of life is Jesus. So it says this in 1 Corinthians 3.11. It says, for no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid or placed which is Jesus Christ. Great place to say amen. amen. But watch this, and I kind of said this earlier, and here's where we're going to kind of shift for uh, just a series. It says in verse 10 there, it says, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. In other words, how he builds on the foundation. I don't know about you, but when I read the words take heed, I think God's being serious. Yes? Now, let, let me encourage you in this. He's not being serious if you're 60 years old. Okay? He's being serious whatever age you are. Okay? In other words, I think it's easy sometimes. I was a youth pastor for a long time. It's easy for kids to go, man, well, when I get older, then I'll do blah, 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 blah. No, it's now. It's now. It's now. It's now. You know, don't ever disregard your age. Listen, we need the Word of God. There's a reason. In fact, let me just throw this out there. There's a reason that a Jewish boy or a Jewish girl could quote the first five books of the Bible by the time they were what age? 
13. Five books of the Bible. That's a lot, y'all. That's a, that's a lot, all right? And, and so, but what happened was this. God spoke to these parents and said, look, it's your responsibility, not the Levites, not the church. It's your responsibility to teach your kids the word. The church's role is to partner with you. Great place to say amen if you're a parent. So, so listen, as parents, you know, please, please, please don't miss the opportunities to go, man, we need to teach our kids the word of God. They're smarter than what we think. In fact, if you don't, if you don't believe this, watch this. Science says that by the age of five, a kid's moral standard is put in place. Five years old. Five years old. Wow, right? Amen. All right, here we go. So... How we build on the foundation, it's our responsibility, okay? And the material that we use has to come from the Word of God. Now, I'm going to show you something here, okay? If you would have asked me years ago to say, hey, tell me when God says, okay, these are the necessary things for, you know, that, that make up the material that makes up the foundation of a believer, give me six things of what that would be. I'm like you. I would have my list. But what I've learned through the Bible is my list is way different than God's. Watch this because I'm going to give you God's list, okay? It says this in Hebrews 6, 1 through 2. It says, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary or the beginning principles of Christ. Get that. In other words, we need to leave, man, the, the beginning principles. Let us go on to perfection. Let us go on to maturity, okay? So, so here's the writer of Hebrews saying, look, you were here. In fact, if I could back up a little bit, in the previous verse, he is basically rebuking the Hebrews, the Hebrew believers. He's saying this. He said, by now you ought to be. So what he said, in other words, you've been in this thing way too long, and you're still stuck here in the elementary principles, and I'm trying to tell you it's time to mature, and it's time to move on. That's what's the context of the scripture. And then he says this, he says, look, it's time to move on, you need to go to maturity, and then the writer takes a step back, and he begins to list what the elementary principles are. He says this, not laying again the what? Come on, say it like you mean it. Foundation. Foundation. Not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works. And of faith toward God, of the doctrines of baptisms, of laying on of hands, of the resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. Listen, that the writer of Hebrews is telling us, here is six elementary, here is six foundational, here is six beginning teachings that every Christian's walk should be built on. And once again, I'm going to say, these doctrines, which in the theological world they call the doctrines of Christ, determine the strength and ultimately the size of the building of your life in God. Now, here's, here's where I had to eat some humble pie. Years ago, reading this, I realized, man, I spent a whole lot of time focusing on other things. And I'm not saying that's bad. But, but if somebody would have said, okay, pastor, tell me what these doctrines are. And here's what I found. Even the answers I would have gave, all of them weren't correct. Like, I'll give you an example just off the top. Repentance from dead works. Dead works is not talking just about sin. Well, I would said, you repent from sin. Well, the dead work simply is this. It has to do with anything that's not of faith. Wow. Okay. So, once again, so here's the foundation. We're going to move on here. Repentance from dead works, faith towards God, baptisms, laying on of hands, resurrection, death, eternal judgment. That's where we're going to be sitting for a while. All right? That's where we're going to be sitting a while. We're going to lay a foundation because, li- listen, we-, we are a church that believes in discipling people. 
right? We believe in discipling people. We believe in, in, uh, in, in growing in the faith. And, and there's, in the bottom line, there's more to come. There's things that God wants to do here, but we've got to lay the foundation so that, when, so that when God decides to bless us in those areas, we don't get out of balance. Amen? Amen. So quick question today. Just simple thoughts for you to think about. What are your lives being built on? Have you given more attention to the outward appearance or the foundation in your life? That's real questions, right? Have I been so called up and, you know, what paint color I need? Have I absolutely missed what God's trying to do? So let me dive back into 1 Peter. It says one thing. It says that Christ, if he's not the cornerstone and if he's not the capstone of your life, it, it talks about the third stone that Jesus could be in your life, and it's this, that he can be uh, a stumbling block to you. And so, listen, once again, there is no options. We either accept him or we reject him. <laughs> Yes? And, and listen, if you're not with Jesus, he's the, if, you, if, you're, if you're never giving your life to Jesus, he's a stumbling block. And he is saying this, but man, I certainly want to be the cornerstone. I want to be the one that comes in your life and, and helps you run this race, helps you live this life, life that everything's aligned with me. And then I want to be the capstone. I want to be the one that finishes it up for you. Amen? Yeah. Amen. If you don't mind, close your eyes. Today we're going to take communion. But before we do, you know, the Bible's really clear that as an unbeliever, as a person who's not a Christian, that they should not take communion. And the Bible actually uses this term. It says that they actually would drink judgment unto themselves. And, and so, listen, I, I think it would be wrong in many levels, not only to take communion, but to be able to talk about Jesus being the one who's the author and the finisher of our faith, that Jesus is the, is the cornerstone and the capstone, that if he has been to this point a stumbling block to you, Man, you need, to, you need to change sides. Amen. You need to change the way you view Jesus. And so today I just want to give you an opportunity. If you're not right with God in this place, either if it's, if it's you know, church is new, you never heard about Jesus, you didn't even know, man, that guy died for me for my sins, all those things. And, and, and you say, man, I need to get right with God. Not as just Savior, but as Lord. Amen. It's both. That you want to give Jesus ownership of your life. If you've never done that, or maybe you did it one time and you fell away, uh, man, right now is a great opportunity. If that's you and you say, man, pastor, I need to get right with God, just lift up your hand. We're not going to embarrass you. But just say, man, I need to get right with God today. Thanks, thanks. Anybody else? It's a really safe place. Amen. Let me just ask you this then before we move. If you say, man, pastor, I really need to, man, I need to quit worrying about the outward appearance and I need to start focusing on my foundation. Just lift your hand. All right, we're going to pray and then we're going to receive communion and then we're going to go swim in the ocean today because it's warm. Let's pray. Father, thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for every person that's here. Uh, Lord, the truth is, is, man, we want to be people who love your word. We want to be people that view you as Lord and Savior, God, that gives you full reign and full uh, just rule in our hearts and our lives. God, we don't want to just say that because it's, uh, you know, the churchy thing to be said, but God, it's the right thing to be said. So Lord, today, we just, it, you know, if it's for the first time, God, or if it's for the the, the hundredth time, God, once again, we say, God, our hearts are yours. Jesus, be the Lord and Savior of our lives. Thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you for the price that you've paid. Even today as we take communion, it's such a reminder of what you did for us, where we once were, but now where we are. So, Lord, today, just, I'm just asking God as a congregation, as a body, God, that you would give us just a fresh hunger for your word. God, forgive us for being... Uh, 
bored with the word. Forgive us for just being distracted or maybe place some more of an emphasis on other things. And not God, it's not that those things aren't important to you, but God, let us let our hearts be where you want our hearts to be. Let's value what you value. And so, Lord, you're the only one that can do that in our hearts. We just say, God, we give you permission to do that today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.